If the Bible is God's word, what should we do with it? Many of us turn to it looking for guidance, for stories to encourage us and heroes to elevate as examples. In Abraham, we find inspiration to trust God with everything, just as he did by not holding back his only son. Elijah challenges us to be courageous, just as he was when he called down fire from heaven. And David encourages us to overcome any obstacle, just as he did when he slew the giant with a stone. These heroes of the faith do inspire us, but if that's all they do, we place a burden on them too great to bear. The same burden we place on ourselves when we try to live by their example. After all, Abraham was a liar. Elijah ran away to die in the wilderness when threatened, and David murdered one of his closest allies to cover up an affair. What if the Bible's heroes aren't simply models, but pictures of brokenness? People like us who need a hero too. The hero all the Bible's heroes point to, Jesus. This is the story all scripture tells from beginning to end. The story that isn't simply about how to live, but how to live through the one who lived for us. The story that invites us to continue sharing it, inviting others to follow him until the day he returns. The good news, the story of redemption, the story of the gospel. Man, I don't know about you, but I am so thankful for the gospel, for the good news, for the word of God that's been given to each and every one of us. Come on. It's interesting when you read upon the pages of scripture and you just spend time in God's word, you start seeing so many things that apply to your life, that apply to your marriage, that apply to your relationships, that apply to your workplace, that apply to your leadership. I mean, it's like there's just so much gold inside of the word of God. It's like a mining process. The beauty is, though, about God's word is that the more you spend time in it, the more gold you find. And that gold actually helps you and I uh, live a victorious life. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and say, you got this. You got this. You got this. You know, each and every one of us have got this. We've got, we, we've got God on our side. We've got the Holy Spirit as followers of Christ living inside of us. You've got this. And so whatever your day has looked like, whatever your week has looked like, just know you've got this. And when I say you've got this, it's because you have the living, that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you as followers of Christ. As believers, you have Christ living inside of you. I was sitting there during the first gathering and I was just overcome with emotion as we were singing those songs because I was just thinking about how good God is. And I was sitting there and in that process began getting sidetracked, right? Anyone ever have that happen? You're like full-blown worship and all of a sudden you're like, I gotta get milk, I gotta get milk. Like you're in that moment, right? And um, so like the Lord spoke to me in that uh, gathering and just said, Brian, I, I want you just to focus on me. Stop, stop worrying about what's happening around you. Stop worrying about whether the, you know, the camera angles are right and is, does everyone in their right spots and, you know, is everything in there? Is every note being played correctly? Just get lost in worship for a moment. And so I was sitting there and I'm just, tears are running down my face and I'm getting lost in worship. And as I'm sitting there in that moment of getting lost in worship, the, my mind started to do what? It started to wander again. All of a sudden, I'm thinking about these things, and literally, the Lord's like, Brian, Brian. And I'm like, oh, yes, sorry, God, like I'm focusing on you. Because there's so much stuff that comes at us. 
there's so many things and decisions that we're thinking about. And man, you know, is this going to work? And li- literally today we we're like, man, we, we wanted to have a couple over for lunch. And so we're like, can we figure that piece out? Like there's all these things happening and it feels a lot like we're on this journey. Anyone feel like you're a little bit on a journey right now? And that along this journey, you're trying to figure out when is God saying turn right? When's he saying turn, you know, turn right, turn left? When is God, you know, what's he saying here? And it almost feels like we're on this big giant road trip. Now, how many of you like road trips? Raise your hand right now. You're like, you, you're, you like a road trip. Yeah, a lot of us. In fact, look around the room. Look around the room. A lot of us love road trips. Come on there. And uh, there's something about a road trip. When someone says, road trip! The one thing you don't think about is road trip, I'm doing it alone. Most of the time a road trip means you're getting other people in the car, you're packing them all in, the family's getting in, you know, maybe, maybe your friends are getting in. It's like, you know, if it's a guy road trip, it's like you're not just one guy, it's like the guy's road trip. You're all getting in, you're going up, you're going fishing, you're going hunting, you're doing something. It's a, it's a road trip. And the thing I know about a road trip is, is that a road trip requires a plan if you're going to have a good experience. Uh, if you don't put a plan together on a road trip, what many times happens is you just kind of wander. And I'm not saying that that's all that bad, but that's not the typical road trip. Typically, a road trip is planned out. So one of my most memorable road trips was when I was a kid. We went from Illinois. So we lived in Zion, Illinois, which was just north of Chicago. And we went all the way from Zion, Illinois, down to Houston, Texas. Now, if you look on a map, what you would see is from Zion, Illinois, down to Houston is a long, long way. It's like from, feels like almost the upper part of the, of the states all the way down to the lower part. And that was one really long trip. But the reason why road trips back in the day were so magical was how many remember when you didn't have to wear a seatbelt? Anyone remember that? Like, if, like literally my parents pulled the seat out of the van so that we could put down blankets and make a bed in the back of the van for the road trip. Because here's what, back in the day, and I, a lot of young people don't understand this, but back in the day, if you were in a car accident or something, mom and dad's arms were your seatbelt. And they would like kind of hold you in. You're getting ready to go fly through the windshield. They would just, and they'd just send you back to the back of the vehicle, or so we thought, right, <laughs> back in the day. And uh, this road trip was particularly even more awesome because my dad, being an electrician, had bought a small TV in VCR and hooked it up inside of our van so we could watch movies while laying on the bed in the back of the van. Come on now. And then you had mom making all the snacks. She had all the things that you needed. We even had a little porta pot thing over on the side that you could pee in if you needed to, which was really gross. It was a good thought, but then you had to realize that you had to dispose of that. So what do you do with that? I mean, that's just a crazy story there. Dad used to say, number one, no number twos. Come on. And uh, so here we are, road tripping, road tripping. And this was back in the day when you had VHS tapes. Come on now. Come on now, VHS tapes, you had all those in there. I remember like we couldn't pack certain, you know, you couldn't pack too many suitcases because you had to have a spot for all your VHS tapes because it was going to be a long trip. So you had all your Disney classics, you know, you had other ones. And then, and then you may or may not have had your bootleg copies. Remember back in the day, a little bootleg going on and uh, 
Maybe you guys don't know what I'm talking about there, but, but my dad had some bootleg copies of some VHS stuff in there, and, and uh, it was just, it was awesome. And uh, so we took this road trip, and it was a really long road trip. One thing I learned about on that road trip is that when you get to Texas, the road trip is just beginning, especially when you're going across Texas, because Texas is one big old state. And you got in, you're like, we, I think we went through Oklahoma, and then all of a sudden you get into Texas, and you're like, oh, we're, we're almost there, because we're in Texas now, yes. But when you're going all the way down to Houston area, like, it is, like, the trip was just beginning. And I just remember just going, man, are we ever going to get there? Are we ever going to get there? And my dad was not one, he, he was not one of those guys who um, thought it would be wise to actually get a hotel on a trip like that, because that costs money. And why would we need that when we could all just sleep in the back and he could just drive? So my dad just drove and he just drove all the way through and we just went all the way through. And I just, I remember that. I remember times he'd pull over at the rest area. Come on now. Anyone know what I'm talking about here? Rest area naps so you could keep going. So dad pulled over in the rest area. Now rest areas weren't used just for um, bathroom breaks. You were, you're supposed to rest there. But it's kind of a little creepy when you're resting in a rest area. I don't know about you, but like it just, it always just seemed creepy and stuff. And, you know, we're sitting in there. But one of the things I love so much about a rest area was this. And and rest areas still today have this. You could go over and you could see a big map of the state. You know what I'm talking about? And it was normally behind a big piece of plexiglass. And it would say on the map, you are here. And as a kid, I was so fascinated by seeing where we had gone because I would look and I'd say, okay, this is where we were. And you could see how we had come through the state and you could see the process. Back in the day, rest stops used to give out maps. Remember the big foldable maps that you could get and your mom would be sitting there and she would be telling you how to get there? Well, here's the thing about a road trip is a road trip takes planning. Now, how many of you remember these old, these good buddies right here? Remember these? Come on now. Some of you, if you're a kid in the house, you're like, what is that? This is, this is how they used to do maps. Now, this, is, this was a high-tech one because this actually includes like multiple areas and different things. This is a county map, so it tells you things about the county, but it also gives you all the road maps and legends in there, and you can see like where the ski areas are, the snowmobile staging areas, and state parks, and state police, like it tells you all those things. And so back in the day, you used to have to plan your trip. Nowadays, we hop in the car and we say, Siri, yeah, and then, you know, she, and then you just say, give me directions to DTW, she gives you directions to DTW, tells you how to get there, she's bossing you around the whole time, which is always great, and um, it's crazy how we'll listen to that female voice in the computer, but we won't listen to our spouse when they say where to go. I don't, I don't know what that's about, fellas, but, um, but back in the day, you used to have to plan a trip. You used to have to sit down. I remember my dad, he would plan, it was days that he would plan out for the trip. So he would, he would show which way, and then my mom would be over there navigating and stuff, and, and my mom would be like, it says, I think we're supposed to get on 266 North. And then my dad's like, no, it's south. We're going south, honey. And then there would be this argument that would kind of happen. And one of them would be right. And I never knew which one it was because my dad would always be bloodied up and beaten over on the side uh, from my mom. No, I'm just joking. But um, no, but, but you had to plan it out. You had to plan the trip out. 
Now, if you were a little more high-tech, AAA had this thing called triptychs. Anyone know what I'm talking about there? So a triptych was you could actually um, go to your local AAA office, and you could say, I'm planning a trip to such and such. And they'd say, okay, and they, they would have a start place and then an end destination, and then they would plan the trip along the way. And they would give you really detailed, you know, when it would turn and different things, they would tell you to get on this and they print it all out. So you had like this, you know, it showed like uh, line by line and then it actually gave you the maps. And so I went ahead and, and printed a, some triptychs. So this is a triptych set right here. And uh, I don't know if you guys can see it. Can you zoom in a little bit on that? Right there on the camera right there. I'll hold it still for a second. But, but there's all these different... Uh, maps that were on there of, of how you get down there. And so you could sit there and you could look through this and it would tell you exactly how to get from Adrian, Michigan down to Orlando, Florida. I like Florida. I like Orlando. And so that's the place I put it in there. And, but it tells you exactly how to get down there because it's a map. And inside of the map gives you the directions. What's interesting is followers of Christ, we have been given a map. We've been given the triptych. Where God says, hey, listen, if you, if you want to be a better husband, here's a triptych. If you want to be a better wife, here's a triptych. If you want to, if you want to be better in your workplace, you want to know how to raise kids successfully, there, there's all these triptychs that God gives us in his word. The Bible is like a giant road map. I want you to think about that for a second. The Bible is like a giant road map, and we're on this big giant road trip called life. And along the way, we can either choose to follow the directions that have been laid out for us, or we can choose to go on our own. And when we try to go on our own, we get lost. How many men out there have ever been lost? I knew you would not raise your hand. <laughs> it's funny, not, no, no guys raise their hand. Why? Because we don't get lost. I know where I'm going. I'm a man. I got built-in GPS inside of me. I know when to turn right. I know when to turn left. We know all those different things, right? Because we know where we're going. And somehow along the way, we've kind of taken that same approach. Like, I know what's going on. I don't need to read the Word of God. I don't need to spend time in it. I know what to do. But God is looking for people who will follow the map, follow the path that he's laid out for us. Triptychs is like this way of AAA saying if you want to get from point A to point B, and they'll even tell you destinations along the way. They'll tell you about, you know, Paul Bunyan's giant whatever or whatever along the way. You can find out all these things along the path, and you can actually even put in there now, because you can do it all digitally, you can put in there how often you want to stop. So if you're like, man, I need potty breaks every hour, it will literally plan out your hour and tell you, here's the next spot you should actually take a potty break at. Here's where the next rest area is. Why? Because it's trying to help you take the road trip in an enjoyable way. The Bible is not some set of rules that is trying to limit you. It's actually trying to create the best experience for you. Instead of looking at the Word of God as something that's like, oh man, i got to take that path and choose that. No, look at the Word of God as something that actually helps you enjoy life the way that God intended it to be. When we think about God's Word, one of the things we realize is God's Word, if it is like a map, 
than has actually been put in place for us even today. Do you know that 87%, this is, uh, Barna did a study here a while back, that 87% of American households own a Bible. So that's pretty, that's pretty good, right? 87% of American households own a Bible. Here's what's crazy, though. Out of that, only one in five Americans read that Bible. Do you know what? If I went on a road trip and I left this in the car and never opened it up, would it do me any good? I could be like, man, don't you see how pretty this is? Man, it's great. It's wonderful. Man, there is so much great stuff inside of this right here to help you know. Like, you can learn about different things like right here. Do you know, in, there's the Quincy Mine Steam Host House. Oh, it's in Hancock, Michigan. Did you know that that was there? No, we could actually go there together. We could actually go find out. Oh, in, in late September, the rugged hills that give Houghton County its distinctive character are a part of an ancient geological formations that are throughout the oldest on earth. Geology actually has written that this place in history is the heart and soul of the Copper County. I didn't know that. Did I want to know that? No. <laughs> but there are things that are in here that until I open it up, I won't know them. And some of us, we treat the Word of God a lot like we treat an atlas. It looks really good. It's got tons of information. It can really help you out if you're taking a road trip. But if you never open it, if you never spend time in it, then you're going to still start and keep making the wrong decisions and going the wrong direction. In that uh, study, they actually did a study and they asked a question to people. And they said this. Do you feel confident sharing your faith story with others? And what they found was that 78% of those who felt confident sharing their faith story were people who engaged in God's word on a regular basis. People who did not, 16% of people um, who engaged in the Bible just a little bit, 16% of them said that they felt confident. What's the difference? Well, one, someone who engages God's Word on a regular basis is more confident, is what the study was showing, than someone who doesn't engage the Word of God very confident. So what would that tell us? Those who spend more time in God's Word are more confident on the road trip of life. I'm watching society right now throw a ton of anxiety at us. People are getting anxious about everything. I'm anxious about what's happening in the government. I don't care what side of the political, you know, line you fall on or where you are. Anxiety is being presented to us on a regular basis. You should be anxious about all these things. Coronavirus, anxious. You got to be anxious about everything. The economy, what's going on? How how are workplaces? What you should you should buy gold? No, you should buy silver. No, you should buy Bitcoin. No, you should buy this. Like ah. And people are going crazy. People are literally saying, I am struggling more with anxiety now than ever before. So here's what I want to tell you. Do you want to know how to be and live an anxious, free life? Spend more time in the Word of God. Because what will happen is, is your mind will become solid and firm upon things that it needs to be solid and firm upon. 
If you watch Fox News for the direction in your life, you will be like this on an up roller coaster event. Because why? Because because what the world is offering as a foundation is very shaky and crumbles very quickly. But what God's word offers to us is a solid foundation, a firm foundation that we can grow in. Now, when I, when I think about experiences in my own life, there are two ways that I learn. The first is I learn through personal experience. Do you know that I learn from good decisions I make? And I learn from bad decisions I make. Anyone learn from your decisions? Come on, raise your hand if you've learned from decisions you made in life. Yeah, all of us. All of us in one way, shape, or form have learned through the decisions we make. The beauty is, is when you can learn through somebody else's decisions. Come on now. I keep telling my kids all the time, guys, listen, I'm telling you, I've been here, done that. Dumb choice. Don't do that. What do they do? Dumb things. And then what happens in those dumb things? Consequences. But when we learn from others, now my middle son, well actually, no, I'll say this. Jordan, who actually is our oldest, interestingly enough, has learned from her brothers. She has seen her brothers make a lot of dumb choices, and her, she has watched that and gone, that's stupid, I'm not going to do that. And because of that, she's learned from their bad choices and also from their good choices. My boys have learned from her, from her bad choices at times, and from her good choices. She's our girl, so we almost basically say she doesn't do anything wrong because she's the oldest and she's the best and we miss her a ton. And she came back from, from college and we just spoil her rotten. It's funny, we went to the, a restaurant the other day and the boys were like, hey, what do you want? What can we get down? I'm like, you can just get whatever. And they're like, man, dad, like you're really nice like these days. It's because my girl's home from college. <laughs> Don't tell the boys that though. So they think it's just because things have changed. It's just because I love her so much. <laughs> And I'm like, I just want to spoil you. You're my girl. And um, I love them too. I, I do. And one day they'll leave and we'll rejoice. And then when they come back, we'll be like, oh, we missed you so much. But uh, I'm looking forward. And this is a side note, but I, I, I am looking forward to like empty nest days. I know some of you are like, man, no, come on now. Grandkids, spoil them, send them home. That's awesome one day uh, to think that I won't have to, like I'll actually be rich again and won't be poor right now because I'm a parent. Anyone know what I'm talking about? All right, let me get back to the notes. But uh, see, what we do is we learn from people's experiences around us. And um, when I look at the Word of God, one of the things that I see, it's like, it's like taking a road trip with people. Um, when I think about Moses, it's like taking a road trip with Moses. And we, we, we've been reading in that right now in Exodus and our soaping. We're reading about Moses. It's like taking a road trip on, with Moses, and we actually get to see um, how to be better leaders. We, we get to see how to actually press through moments where we think that we're not good enough, our talents aren't good enough. Like, we get to see that. It's like taking a road trip with Moses. It's like taking a road trip with David when you read about his story and you, you see how even in the midst of um, being wronged and also wronging others, we get to see how to be considered still a man after God's own heart. Um, think about taking a road trip with Solomon and you get to see all the wisdom that comes out when you're reading through Proverbs. You get to see so much wisdom that you could apply to your life and, and even like helping us understand kind of the meaning of life. He kind of wrestles through a lot of that. 
When you think about Joseph, what we were just soaping in here recently, you think about a guy who uh, teaches us about perseverance. It's like taking a road trip with the unoffendable Joseph. Think about it. Joseph was so unoffendable. There was like even wrong after wrongs happened to him, not because of his decisions, but because of others. And yet, is he offended? No, he lived an unoffendable life. If you were to take a road trip with all these different people from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they'd teach you about character and courage. If you were to uh, take a road trip with Job, you would see that he's going to teach us about how even when things aren't fair in life, guess what? God is still with us. You could learn about Jonah, and what you'd see in Jonah's story is how God's grace is really sufficient even in the midst of our continuously pushing back on what God has called us to do. If you were to look at Paul, you would see a man, if you were to take a road trip with him, who would teach you about the mission of God and what it means to actually live a life with purpose and a passion. If you were to look at Peter and take a road trip with him, you'd see a guy who, in the midst of even denying Christ, still continues to take steps where God looks at him with pride and actually loves him in the midst of his wrongs. The Bible is like a giant road trip. And the question is, is are you taking the trip alone or are you taking it with others? So many of us treat the Bible like it's something that we don't ever go to. We don't ever look at it. And there's so much information there that God said, I want you to dig into. And that's what we're going to be talking about these next few weeks is this idea In Psalms chapter 119, it actually says this in verse 9. It says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? That's a good question. How can he stay on the path of purity? It says by this, by living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. In Psalms 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. In Psalms 119.28, my soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to what your word. In verse 81, my soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. What do we see the psalmist writing? He's talking about the importance of God's word on the road trip of life. He's telling us, listen, on this road trip that you're going through, there's God's word that's available to you. The question is, are you going to open it up? Are you going to be like the stubborn person sitting in the passenger seat? Or who's driving and just says, I got this. I got this all figured out. God's word is alive. Hebrews actually talks about it. It says, God's word is alive and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. If God's word is alive, we need to recognize and apply it into our road trip that we're going through called life. I've said this, I'll say it again. The craziest thing I think is when I meet followers of Jesus who don't read God's word. And the reason why I think that's just so crazy is is if you have the road map, why would you not open it? Why, why Why as Christians do we talk about how important the Bible is but then never talk about it in community? God's word has been meant to be lived out. Don't take the road trip alone. Take it with others. Fill the van up. Get people in. John uh, 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now here we go. Verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father full of grace and truth. God's word is alive. God's word is something that we can apply to our lives. It is like a light in the path to help us on the road trip of life. I want to make a statement today that I really feel is really important, and that is this. I really feel like the Lord wants, wants you to hear this. For many of us, it's time to get in the driver's seat and take a road trip but it's going to take planning. Let me say it again. And and really, I felt like this was in regards to our faith as followers of Jesus. It's time to get in the driver's seat and take a road trip, but it's going to take some planning. Too many of us, and this was the word picture the Lord gave me, are sitting in the back seat and looking for others to do all the driving. God's like, I've got this road trip all planned out for you, for your life. I've got purpose for your life. And instead of you hopping in the driver's seat and reading God's word and applying it to your life and understanding it and actually taking the road trip that God's called you to take, some of us have gone and we've sat in the passenger seat. Some of us are in the back seat. Some of us just aren't interested in it whatsoever. And we're just looking to other people to feed us and to take care of us. Here's what I mean. Some of us, instead of engaging in God's word ourselves, are looking to the latest preacher to do it for us, the latest Bible study teacher out there. Some of you are like, man, I just love John MacArthur. Or who are, you name it. You, you name the, the Bible scholar person that you love listening to their stuff. And, you, and what is happening is, is you're living off of other people's driver moments on the road trip. And God, I believe, is saying, listen, stop living off of other people's and start doing it yourself. And some of us have excuses as to why we don't read God's word. Well, I'm just, I'm just, it's harder for me to understand it. I'm not a Bible scholar person. Like, I just, I just don't. Do you think that person who the Bible scholar person that you would say is started that way? Absolutely not. It wasn't like one time they just opened it up and they were like, oh, I totally understand everything that this book has. It was because they hopped in the driver's seat and started taking a drive through the word of God and allowing it to apply to their lives. And as they did that, they began to understand it more and more. So let me kind of give you this word picture. Kasha and I, we love to take road trips together. I don't know what it is. We, we just get in the car and we're like, let's just take a road trip together. And when we first go in, one of the important things is, is to have a plan as to where you're going, Right? So I'll put in the GPS, I'll put, this is where we're going, and then we'll begin going on that trip. And when we go the first time, I listen to GPS the whole way. If we go back for a second time, my challenge to myself is always to do it without a GPS. I'm always like, okay, I don't, I don't want to do it without a GPS or with, with a GPS because I want to activate my brain. Because some of us, we have not activated our brains for a long time. And what what 
what they actually say, studies say, is that GPS is kind of in some ways hurting our brains because our brains used to always figure out where we were going. You kind of had to follow a map and do these different things, and your brain had to process through. Now we just, she says, go left, and you're like, oh, okay, go left. You remember years ago, there was like this person who sued, like they were trying to sue um, the GPS company. And the reason is, is because the GPS said turn left. And there was no left right there, but the lady said, well, she said turn left. And so she turned left and like went right off the road and into this ditch and everything and wrecked her car and said the reason was because she was following the GPS. But GPS will tell you ahead of time, turn left. But it's not saying right now, it's saying it's coming up. So be prepared to turn left. And some of us are so much looking to other people to tell us how to engage in God's word that we don't know how to do it ourselves. And I want to give you just some simple road, road trip uh, tips today that I think will help you in engaging God's word. I want to help you learn how to fish, not do all the fishing for you. I want, I want to teach you how to actually begin to dig into God's word, and that's what we're going to do these next few weeks, is teach you how to dig into God's word. And here's what it is. Anyone can do it because anyone can take a road trip. Anyone who is in life breathing right now can look at God's word and begin to apply it to your lives. Now, the best way to do that is to take a road trip with others. Because when you take a road trip with others, the experience is a lot better. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Road trip tip number one. Here we go. Have a trigger. Here's what I mean by that. Have a trigger. Every day, what is the thing that triggers you to get into God's Word? Some people would call this a habit. Make a habit of getting into God's Word daily. What, how do we make habits? Well, for some of us, it's recognizing what habits do you already have in your life. For instance, hopefully you have the habit of brushing your teeth. Right? There's probably a process to how you brush your teeth every day, right? Right? Like when I, when I go, I, I take a shower. After I take my shower, I go and I always brush my teeth first. So I, I go in, I get, I get, start brushing my teeth. I'm, I'm, I'm walk, well, actually, wait a minute. Let me correct that. I'm telling you wrong. I always take my vitamins first and then I actually um, brush my teeth. And that's the process. Like, but every day I'm doing it there. I don't ever walk away from getting ready for the day and go, oh man, I forgot to brush my teeth. Sometimes I don't understand that. When my boys were younger, they didn't brush their teeth. I'm like, how did you not brush your teeth? Like your breath is so bad, bro. Like you've got to do something about that. And then they would say, you got gum dead? And I'm like, you're going to school. Like you did not brush your teeth. That's disgusting. Like your teeth look like I can't believe it's not butter like right now. It's like, ugh. It's like gross. And um, so, but there's a habit. Hopefully you have that habit. Now, I, I've been reading a lot of leadership books and kind of like these um, self-leadership books. One book that I've, gosh, and I just got done reading is called The Miracle Morning. And it talks about how you can set up routines in your morning that will help you have a miracle morning. And they, they use this acronym called SAVERS, which I love acronyms. And um, you can walk through this whole thing. It starts with silence and affirmations and visualizations and exercise and reading and scribing. That's what that stands for right there. And uh, if you, what you do is you put those into your morning. And you, there's affirmations where you're speaking things out over yourself. And I'm telling you, your words are powerful, okay? And if you don't believe me, just sit there every morning, wake up and be like, I'm a loser. I'm a loser. And you know what you'll start thinking? You'll start thinking you're a loser. 
I'm telling you, you will. If you wake up every morning, you're like, dude, I'm a winner. Today is going to be a great day. Today is going to be a great day. And I know some of you are like, oh, come on, it's just affirmations. I'm telling you, guess what normally happens? That day's a great day. We're, the power of the tongue is huge. The Bible actually talks about that the tongue can steer the ship like a rudder. The tongue is like a wildfire, it says, where it consumes things. Like your words matter. The words you speak over others. But you know the spot, and this is, someone needs to hear this because this isn't in my notes, but your words that you speak over yourself matter. And sometimes those words are silent. It's not that you're out loud saying these things against yourself, but inside, you're letting those words just continuously run over. Josiah has been, uh, was struggling in one of his classes, and he would say things like, Dad, I'm just not good at it. Dad, I just can't. And he just keeps saying, and, and I would just correct him, Josiah, that's not true. Like, you're a smart kid. I just kept correcting his thoughts and his thoughts, and we just kept correcting him and correcting him and correcting him and just bringing him back. No, that's not true. That's not true. And we started speaking what's true, what's true, what's true. And we started speaking that over him, and all of a sudden he comes back and he's like, Dad, I got a 97 on that test. And I'm like, come on now. And why? Because we're changing those internal thoughts. Some of you are like, right now, you're like, I just struggle with depression every day. I just struggle with depression every day. Stop. Start saying, you know what? I don't struggle with depression. I don't struggle with depression. I don't struggle with depression. I don't struggle with doubt. I, like, speak something opposite in there. Have a trigger. What's your trigger? For some of us, maybe you have habits that you've already decided in your life. You're like, I have this habit. And that's where I was going earlier with the whole idea of brushing your teeth. There's this, there, it's a hack. And what it's called is uh, habit stacking. And what habit stacking is this, is you recognize what are the habits I already have in my life and if you want to develop a new habit, you stack a habit right next to it. So, for instance, one of the things I realize is in the morning, my habit is, is I always grab my phone first thing in the morning. It's just a habit. Part of it was my alarm clock was on it, but I would grab my phone, and then when I would grab it, I'd take two scrolls to the left, and I'd click on the little Facebook icon. Come on now. Some of you right now feeling guilty. You know what I'm talking about. You know exactly what it is. Two, stripes, two swipes to the left, because I don't put it on my home screen because it's too distracting. But my, my brain knows. Two swipes, two swipes to the left, and um, you're up there. Click the Facebook, boom, because i got to see what's going on in life. Because Facebook definitely tells me truth. <laughs> so what I recognize is that is a bad habit, so I want to stack a good habit with it. Well, guess what a good habit is? Drink water. So what I do is I put the water bottle that I prepared the night before right next to my phone so that when I go to reach for my phone, I don't reach for my phone. I reach for my water, and I drink my water in the morning, and then I put my water back down, and then I walk away from my phone. It's habit stacking. How could you stack a habit? Jeremiah 15, 16 says this, Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and a delight for my heart, for I have been called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. What was, what was the prophet Jeremiah saying to us? He's saying, listen, like, God, your words are, like, delightful. Spending time in your word is like, man, it's a good place to be. What's the trigger? How can you create triggers in your life right now? David, he seemed to be one who prayed early in the morning. Jesus prayed early in the morning. 
Mark 1.35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary pray, place where he pr- prayed. So here's my question. What's your trigger that you're creating in your life? What's the habit, the trigger you're creating to spend time in God's word? Second road trip tip number two is this, have the right tools. You know, if you're going to take a road trip, you've got to have the right tools. So if we're taking a road trip during the winter, a lot of times I like to plank, pack a blanket in the back, make sure that we got gloves in case something was to happen along the way, break down or something, we could survive it. I like to put tools in there. I don't put a whole lot, but just put a full, few tools inside of there. I, now, I don't pack tools that I don't need because I, I recognize what the trip is going to be. You got to have the right tools for the trip. And life is the same way, uh, or God's word is the same way. What are the right tools you need to engage in God's word on the road trip? So here's, here's the first. And you're going to be like, well, duh. Yes, you need a Bible. You need a Bible. Why is a Bible important? Well, because that's the roadmap. So if you were going to take a trip and you were like, okay, I need the trip ticks, then you grab that. If you're like, I need the atlas, you, you grab what you need to help you navigate along. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do your best to present yourself as one approved, a worker who need not be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. What, is, what, what do we need to do? We need to rightly handle it, and we need the right tools in place. A Bible is something that you need. Now, there's lots of translations of Bibles that are out there. I would stick to something like an ESV, which is English Standard Version, NASB, maybe an NIV. Uh, some people are like, man, no, it's KJV, King James Version only. Okay, fine, but like there are other translations. King James, I think, is just a little bit harder. I don't, I don't talk like the King James, so it's hard for me to read it like that. I'm, Thou hast saith to you today. Like, I don't talk like that. So I look at stuff that's a little bit more how, like, I talk. Um, the message translation is not a literal translation. It's, it's something that helps us understand it, but it's not something that you could look at and go, well, it specifically says this, because there's different things that are put in there um, that necessarily are just there to help us understand the text. Um, uh, in that Bible, here's one of the big pieces, is I would encourage you to have a study Bible. A lot of people say, well, Pastor Brian, what kind of Bible should I get? Get a study Bible. Now, there are many people out there, like, there's, like, if you're someone who loves Joyce Myers, you know, there's a Joyce Myers uh, study Bible. If you're someone who loves John MacArthur, there's a John MacArthur study Bible. There's lots of different study Bibles that are out there. Now, what that means is that that commentator, um, so if it's John MacArthur, he writes in there in the footnotes underneath the study Bible different thoughts on passages of Scripture that many times trip us up. Because sometimes you're reading God's word and as you're digging through it, you're like, dude, I have no idea what this is saying. Anyone ever been there before? Come on, I know I have. So I look down at the bottom in my study Bible and I say, okay, what, what is the commentator saying there? There's also what's known as cross-reference. So cross-reference is, is people have gone through and they actually see other verses that are similar or support the idea of that verse and it's a cross-reference. And so a cross-reference is super helpful in engaging a text because we can see that. 
There are Bible programs out there, one called Lagos, that actually helps you with knowing where a specific word is. And like, if there's a word and you're like, man, that word's just really st- jumping out to me, it will actually show you the Greek meaning behind it. And then it will show you in the scripture other places throughout the entire scripture that actually use that same Greek word. So you can learn through that. I mean, there's so much technology available to you and me, but the first thing you need is a Bible. The second thing you need is you need a journal. A journal. Now, why do you want a journal? Because you want to write down what God's speaking to you. When you read God's word and you're taking a road trip, it's like writing down. Now, here's the thing. How many of you ever taken a road trip and you can remember memories, but if you were to look back at it, if you had written down the memories, you would actually remember them a whole lot easier. I've taken a lot of road trips in my life and I can tell you pieces of it, but if I wrote down, here's what it happened, and I could say in my journal, this was the moment I could look back at that date and go back there and go, oh, that's what God did in that moment. That's what's great about journaling. Spend time writing out things that God's been speaking to you. And if you're going to do journaling, here's what I want to encourage you. Pick either a paper journal or an electronic. Don't try to do both. Because I've tried to do both, and it's just it's a disaster. Because all of a sudden I'm writing something in my, my notes in my, on my phone, and then I'm writing something over here in my paper journal, and nothing's connecting together. Pick one and stick with it. Journal. The, the next thing you need is you need a reading plan. Here's why I say that. If you're wanting to read through the Word of God in a year, then you need a reading plan. It'll actually tell you, here's, here's the things you should be reading for that day, so get a reading plan out there. We have a reading plan. It's called SOAP. And we're reading the same thing. So today we're in Exodus chapter 7. And the beautiful thing is, is we could sit down and have coffee. And as long as you've read Exodus 7 and I've read Exodus 7, then what happens is, is we have a common place to be able to talk about God's word together. We can actually go on a road trip together. Because road trips are better with others. The fourth is this, is a to-do list or an app or like a calendar or just a simple piece of paper. And here's what I know. When you're in God's word, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be like, that's really good, that's really good. And then all of a sudden you're going to go, oh man, I forgot to get the milk. Or you're going to think about, I got to do this. And if you don't have a spot to put that thought down, you can easily become derailed in the middle of your time in reading God's word. It's like a shiny object. You got to have a place to put that shiny object. Write it down over there. The third uh, road trip tip is this, is use soap. The key with soaping is not the method, it's the fact that we're all reading the same thing together. Soap stands for scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So we read a chapter together, we see a scripture verse that kind of the Lord kind of jumps out, and sometimes you read it and you're like, man, I don't really, there's not really a scripture verse that jumps out. If, if we're reading primarily like a genealogy, it takes a lot of work to have a scripture verse jump out in there. But you read scripture, you write it down, then you observe the context to it, you apply it, and then you pray it. But the key, the beauty happens when we read it in community. Our groups here at Bethany wrap around where we're soaping. Discipleship happens around where we're soaping. We, we strategically put together a plan of what we read together And we want it to kind of flow in a way where you're actually getting different parts of God's word. 
We don't just stay in the New Testament. We actually are in the Old Testament right now. Because why? Because there's a lot of stuff we can see. And what we actually see is Christ and the nature of who Christ is being foretold all throughout Scripture. And there's a beautiful thing that happens when we can connect those two dots together. So we read in community. We actually spend time soaping together and reading it. And we're going to unpack that more here in the days to come. The fourth tip, and the last one is this, is keep it super simple. Kiss it. Look at your neighbor and say, kiss it. (laughs) Now kiss it, some people would say, kiss it stands for keep it simple silly. Some people would say KISS stands for keep it simple stupid. You pick whatever you want to say. But all I'm saying is you need to kiss it. You can go home and tweet that. Pastor Brian said kiss it. (laughs) But just keep it simple. I think so many times we approach God's word like it's a super complicated, I don't understand it type thing. But it's not. It's simple. If you know how to read, spend time reading God's word. If you're like, man, I'm just not a good reader. Okay, then listen to God's word. If you're like, man, I'm not good at listening. to, Okay, then watch a video on God's word. Like do something to engage in God's word today. The goal of taking time with God and going on the road trip is simply to take one step closer to him. John 15 says it this way, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Engaging in God's word is not just a checklist of like, okay, I did that. Okay, I got my 15 observations that I got from the passage. Oh, here's how I'm going to apply it. Here's how I'm going to pray it. No, it's about taking a road trip in which we actually allow God's word to abide in us. When God's word is hidden in our hearts, the word of God says that I hide God's word in my heart so that I might not, what, sin against God. What happens is is that when we engage in God's word, we're allowing his word to be the map to the road trip that we take. If I was to open this up right now, and and I could flip it up anywhere. Okay, here we go. Let's see. This is Isco County, which I don't even know where that even is. There's a national forest here. Here's what it tells me. It tells me that 65 runs right up through, oh, Hale, Michigan, um, Rose City, Whitmore. Oh, okay, this is up in the UP area, kind of up, okay, Lake Huron, I see all that. I can know where I'm at or where I'm going based upon what's been laid out inside of this atlas. I know where things, uh, how, how to take the journey that I'm called to. The word of God is just like this atlas. It helps you know how to navigate through the things that God has laid out for you and I. You want to know how to be a great husband? It's in God's word. You want to know how to be a great coworker or a boss or a leader, whatever it may be? It's in God's word. Everything you need for the road trip is found in God's word. So stop trying to complicate it. Just read it. And if you read it and you go, I have no idea what I just read, the next day, read it again. And if that next day you're like, I still don't know what I'm reading, then get in community with other believers who say, you know what, this is what I got from it. Do you know, so I've been been serving Jesus a long time, 43 years, and as long as I can remember, I've been in the church. 
And yet, even to this day, I'm still learning constantly from others around me. Every day, I soap with the boys. We work out, and then we soap. And every day, I'm sitting there learning things from my 18-year-old son and my 16-year-old son who are constantly saying, this is what spoke to me today, Dad. This is what I got from God's Word today. And there are times where I'm like, I didn't even see that there. And then I love it because also it helps me disciple them because there are things that jump out to them and I go, oh, that's something they're focused in on right now. You want to know how to be one of the best parents? Engage in God's word together. I know some of you have young kids and you're like, man, it's just hard for them. Then just pick one verse. What if you just picked one verse out of the scripture and you said, hey, hey guys, today, this is, this is our verse for today. And then you just had them repeat it with you and then you just unpacked it a little bit with them. Engage in God's word. Take the road trip with others because the road trip is not meant to be taken alone. Tim LaHaye said this in his book, How to Study the Bible. He said, "Um, until you decide to spend at least 15 minutes a day in God's word, you'll be a mediocre Christian. And I believe that. And, and here's the thing, I don't say that in judgment. I'm just saying, why? I don't want to stay mediocre. I don't want to be a mediocre Christian. I want, to be, I want to be someone who actually is moving forward and that I'm actually doing what God's called me to do. And that's not because I'm a pastor. It's just because I want to be victorious. When I read God's word, it helps me. It's like a mentor in my life. It's like hopping in the car and asking Moses to jump in and let's take a road trip together. I can learn from him. One of the best things that happens when I take a road trip with Kasha is we talk. And when we're talking, we're learning from each other. We're growing together. We're reading God's word together. And when we read God's word together, we grow. That girl is like the journaling queen. Like, I can't believe how much she journals. We'll sit down for soap sessions on Friday. She brings like 10 pages in her her notebook. But you know what happens is she's just sitting there. She's like, yeah, I found this cross-reference, and I found this. And she's given all these scriptures, and I'm like, dude, girl, come on. And you know what one of the most attractive things is? Is when your wife is unpacking the word of God. I'm like, man, you hot. <laughs> All right, Romans 15, 4, and I'll close. For whatever was written in earlier times is written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The Bible is full of mentors. The Bible is full of hope. The question I have for you today is are you willing to open it up and to take a road trip? The next few weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. Is what it looks like to open it up and take a road trip. Road trips are meant to be taken with others. You've got to have the right tools. You've got to have the right things in place. You've got to create some habits around it. I'm not saying it's easy. But just keep it simple. Someone needs to hear this. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The purpose of the message today is not condemnation. The purpose is encouragement. I don't want you to walk out and be like, yeah, see, I just, I don't read God's word. and geez. That's not condemnation. Now, if the Holy Spirit's convicting, that's a different story. Because the Holy Spirit convicts all the time and says, hey, you know, let's work on this. But let that conviction turn to encouragement. 
And what I mean by keeping it simple is celebrate the win. Celebrate the win. You read the Bible. You read one chapter. Be your biggest cheerleader. Be your biggest cheerleader. Just be like, man, come on, I did it. Like, I, I read that today. When your spouse or your kids, someone else around you is reading God's word, celebrate that with them. Let's cheer each other on. What you celebrate gets repeated. That's what they tell us all the time. What you celebrate gets repeated. So let's celebrate the wins. When we get in community in our groups, let's actually engage and talk about what we're reading God's word. Let's join the soap sessions during the week. There's this whole online community that happens every week, Monday through Friday on uh, Facebook and hopefully on YouTube too as well. But you can engage in and you, you can comment back and forth and those who are leading the soap sessions will engage in there. Today, Exodus chapter 7. We can read about Moses and, and just the plagues and all the different things that are happening in there. If you read that, you and I could have community together because we could sit down because I read it. And we could sit down and talk about what we soaked in today. And it is more than just reading it. Because when you journal, when you write things out, something, it just activates a different part of the brain and you're able to recall things easier. So I want to encourage you to do that. Let's bow our heads, close your eyes for a second. I just, I want to ask a simple question today. When you think about the road trip of life and you think about how important it is for God's word, to be like an atlas, like a triptych. Everything's spelled out for you. My question is simple today. If you would say, you know what, Pastor Brian, like I need help. I need encouragement. I need God's strength to like help encourage me to actually do this, to actually spend time in his word. And today I'm willing to take just that step. You'd say, I just, I'm willing to take a step. Now, here's the thing I want, I want you to recognize is whether that's you're taking a step today for the first time engaging God's word, or maybe you've been reading God's word and you're like, you know what? I would just like to take another step though. I'd like to dig in a little bit more. I'd like to spend a little more time in there. If that's you today, I just want you just real quickly just to put your hand up. You just say, I just, I want to engage in God's word more. There are hands going up. You say, I just, I want to, I want to engage in God's word more today. I want to take the step. I feel in this moment right now, like God's saying, this is your moment. Don't take this road trip alone. I need God's help. So Father, every hand that's raised right now, I just pray that you'd meet with them right where they are. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would strengthen them. And I pray God that this week as they engage in your word, I pray God that they would say, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. I can read it. I can apply it. I can observe it. I can pray it over my own life. And I pray, God, that they would not do this road trip alone, but they would do it in community, that they'd gather other people around them, maybe even saying to spouse, hey, let's read this passage together. Hey, let's just spend time unpacking it together. And I pray, God, that as they take this road trip of life, that they would see how exciting it is to engage in your word and how you have laid everything out for us. So, God, just Make your word come alive to us this week, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.